believe that you can build an amazing life of significance by serving fewer, wealthier clients extremely well. We also believe you can do it faster and with less effort than you ever thought possible. Let us show you how to race up the hierarchy of advisor success. Welcome to the Preeminent Financial Advisor Podcast. I'm Paul Lofties at CEG Worldwide, and at CEG, the number one coaching firm for financial advisors, we believe you can build and have an amazing life of significance by serving fewer but wealthier clients and doing it extremely well. CEG Worldwide is a coaching firm that helps financial advisors accelerate their success and build simple yet elegant wealth management businesses that are indispensable to the right affluent clients. And I'm Catherine McBreen from CEG Insights. CEG Insights was born of a strategic fusion of two industry powerhouses, Spectrum Group, a leader in affluent investor research, and the research team of CEG Worldwide, the number one coach for financial advisors. With over 20 years of affluent investor research and extensive coaching experience, CEG Insights empowers senior executives to engage with financial advisors, sharing insights and actionable steps for sustainable organic growth. Well, hello and a great big welcome to all of you out there. My name is Paul Lofties and I am the co-host of the Preeminent Advisor podcast. And I'm Kathy McBreen. I'm the other co-host, and we're really excited to be talking to you today. Yeah, our podcast, uh, the Preeminent Advisor podcast, is uh, co-sponsored by CEG Insights, which Kathy is your firm, which just does this tremendous research into you know the latest trends, the psychology of investors. We've got some great stuff to talk about, and also CEG Worldwide which is the uh, industry's preeminent coaching firm for financial advisors, you know, which really helps advisors understand how to capitalize on all of these trends and all of these great research. So we've got some exciting things uh, to go over today. Yeah, that's great. So Paul, what's new with you? Anything interesting? Well, in our house, Kathy, I think the most interesting thing is my, my baby boy. He is our firstborn, but I still think of him as my baby boy. Just turned 13 this week. And, Ooh. uh, you know, Kathy, both of my kids are adopted, international adoptees, and it seems like just yesterday we were going to pick him up in Korea, and now he's this, you know, 13-year-old uh, miniature man, uh, teenager. Wow. And just wait. I, it gets exciting yeah. from now on, you know? Yeah. And and I know all parents talk about this, and, ex, and ex, but, you know, it's just hard to relate to it till you experience it. It's just like, man, our, our time with him is probably half done, and... You know, how good of a job have we have done? What, you know, what, what's important about these next few years together? And it, and it really does make you stop and think, you know, with, with all of these things going on in your life, what's most important? You know, how, how do we really define success? And of course, our relationship with our kids and our family is, is paramount to that. Yep. And that's what our research shows. So that's a good thing to talk about today. Yeah. So what we're going to dive into today and on this specific uh, episode of our podcast is we're going to talk about the role of gender in how individuals define success. And, you know, specifically, a lot of this research applies to the high net worth marketplace, because, Kathy, you know, just for our audience set again, what was the demographic of the group that you surveyed for this particular piece of research? 
So this research um, focuses on people with $100,000 to $25 million of net worth. However, we do what they call oversampling in households that have over a million dollars of net worth. So it's not like it doesn't represent the United States in general. It represents it's more skewed toward more wealthy households. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that has just jumped out uh, historically and I think is important for advisors to to realize is that individuals really define success differently. And you've seen that over the years in in your research in the marketplace. Yeah. And they also define it differently now than they did 10 or 15 years ago. So there's some real differences based upon, obviously everybody has their own definition of success. So everybody has their own goals and challenges, but there's real real differences from what I would call the World War II generation to the millennials that we see how people define things differently. So it's important for advisors to talk to their clients and understand what their definitions of success are. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk specifically about gender today and the views of men and women and what they say uh, success really means for them. And before we dive into the latest research, uh, what have just been some common historic perceptions that you've seen over the years and how, you know, advisors might think men and women, you know, think differently and what's important Mm -hmm. to them? Um, so one of the things that's important to remember is women do think differently, but not as differently as some people suspect. So that's an important thing to remember. So I've been in this business a really long time, unfortunately, (laughs) fortunately and unfortunately, and I've seen a real change in the way that advisors are addressing the concerns of women. So it used to be that, you know, so often we would hear from female investors that they would go to see the advisor and they were kind of like not paid attention to. I think that's beginning to change. And I think that needs to continue to change, obviously, because we all know that, you know, women outlive men. And in the end, a lot of times the the woman is going to be your client, not the man. So we do are seeing that change, but historically that was the um, perception of what was happening. The other thing that um, is interesting to note and, some of it's true and some of it's not, but there used to be this belief that if you, for female investors, you had to have a female advisor and that's just not true. And in some cases, some women will find it insulting if you walk into a, say you walk into the the branch of a large, I don't know, financial advisory firm and they say, oh, let me get so-and-so for you because she's a woman. So mm-hmm. women don't really care if their advisor is a man or a woman, although there, there may be some women that prefer that. So there are a lot of historical things that we think about women that that just aren't true. They are just as concerned about investments in most cases, not a hundred, not at quite as concerned or quite as worried as men, but they still are a, they're still very involved in the investments that they have. Yeah. Some of the prevailing uh, you know, thoughts and perceptions that I see out there is that you know one of the differences uh in the in gender with men and women is that the the goals and the objectives perhaps of of women would be some of the much much more family oriented yeah. things marriage is more important uh having close meaningful relationships is more important and that some of the you know more uh individual focused goals and objectives right career, 
uh, finding a fulfilling, meaningful life that maybe that would skew towards the 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 male population. And so I, some of this research that we're going to share here and talk about is really, really interesting because that's some of those things aren't necessarily the case, right? especially as you move up market and, and we're talking about higher net worth female investors. Right. And I would also say two things about old research that we've done this. So yes, women are generally more concerned about the family and what's going to happen with their family. And I say that in the broader context, more like the family, like mm -hmm. the kids and the extended family. And the other thing that's really important to remember is women are very particular about finding an advisor. They have, they have much higher standards when they're looking for an advisor, but once they find an advisor, they're much more loyal than men are, much less likely to change advisors. So women are really good clients for advisors to appeal to. So yeah. that's important to keep in context. So let, let's jump in and look at this, uh, some of this latest research. And for those, uh, a reminder, our podcast is also available on a number of uh, platforms where you, you can watch the, the video, uh, video feed of our podcast. So I'm going to throw up here on the screen, Kathy, some of this latest research that, that came out of here, definition of success by gender. So you want to talk through at a high level, just some of the, some sure. of the interesting findings here. So you'll see that for the most part, a lot of things in our alignment between men and women. And basically the top three concerns are the top three concerns for all. And the first is personal success is having close and meaningful relationships with family and friends. And that's actually slightly more important to men than women, but it's 56% of women. So it's clearly the most important thing to more than half of investors. Followed by that is living a healthy and active lifestyle, which is basically 41.4% of men and 42.4% of women. So really it's basically the same. Living a healthy lifestyle is important to both men and women. And then the next one, there's a slight bit of difference and I'll talk to, about a couple others. Having financial security and stability is more important to men than it is to women. So 39% of men say it's incredibly important and compared to 34% of women. So it's still a very important goal, financial security and stability. And clearly, it's one of the most important for advisors to work with their clients on, but it's more important to the men. Um, and then the one just following that is finding inner peace and happy, inner peace, happiness and contentment, which is important to 27.6% of women, but only 19% of men. And then here's a really interesting one, having a successful marriage is important to 21.2% of men but only 14.6% of women. And then as you skim through some of the others, if you get the opportunity, like having the ability to travel is more important to women. Uh, raising a family and children is about equally important to both, however, slightly more important to men than women. So there are some of these things that are kind of in the face of what you would traditionally think about. You know, you would tend to think that having a successful marriage and children was more important to women than men. And it's actually the, the opposite, even though it's only a slight, slightly different margin. So um, those are some of the things that we found that were, were incredibly important. Um, achieving a work-life balance for personal fulfillment is about equally important to both men and women at roughly 10%. Yeah. So I think that those are really some interesting findings. So I want to dive deeper with you, Kathy, on a, a few of the areas and just and just get your thoughts. So one of the things that just immediately jumps out that advisors should immediately recognize here, I think, 
is that, uh, and again, there's difference in the genders, but the first thing I want to point out is the, the, the main ones, these first two or three, were almost equal in importance to men and women, but two of them are non-financial. Right. They, they are, so, you know, what we have is our clients, especially again, this, this is heavily weighted towards, a, you know, uh, investors between a million and $25 million saying that family relationships and then health and active lifestyle are more important definitions of their success um, than financial security and stability. So mm-hmm. it, what do you think about that? And what, I mean, how should advisors think about that uh, when, you know, they're trying to position themselves to to serve and be a preeminent advisor? Well, one of the things that we've seen change dramatically in the last 10 to 15 years, especially as millennials achieve more wealth and World War II generation starts to fade away, is that, you know, this having financial success and stability was really a key element for people in the World War II generation and for older baby boomers because of the times that they went through, right? So mm-hmm. I think that for us and for millennials and obviously maybe Gen Z at this point, but they're not really included in this, but Gen X, having financial success and stability is something that it's a table stake. You know, it's something that we have expected. It's been a little bit easier to achieve probably in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And probably people don't worry about it quite as much at this wealth level as they do at lower wealth levels. And so they're really, people are really able to focus more on the, like, well, you might consider some of the more important elements of life, like family and health and those types of things. So I think that if the economy turned and financial stability and success became really threatened, that would definitely pop to the top. But it's good that our society realizes the importance of close and meaningful relationships. Yeah. And, you know, for financial advisors, for wealth managers, I mean, if you're going to play to win and you're going to be a preeminent advisor, then, you know, part of what you need to do now is to understand what your uh, client's goals and objectives are in these areas as it relates to the relationships that are important to them, uh, what it is that they want to accomplish, you know, from a, from a health, health and wealth perspective. Um, Because again, the, the way that clients are looking at this and especially the wealthier clients is, you know, obviously they want financial stability, as you said, but you know, these other items are kind of recognized as higher order. And so really, if as an advisor, you can advise them on what to do with their wealth to enhance these specific areas of their life, their families and their relationships, their health, you're, you are going to be a true leader to them, right? This is what they're looking for. Right. They're just assuming that you're going to help them with financial stability and security. I mean, that's your job as their financial advisor. But to the extent that you can appeal to these other things and make sure that those other things are protected, I think that's the job of the financial advisor today. Yeah. I want to ask you, too, The my view going into this is that if we were going to look at data that told us which gender thought that having inner peace and contentment and a successful marriage was more important that that would be female and not male. But your your research is actually opposite of that. What right now it's not substantially different that that but yeah. it is it but is surprising. 
yeah, what what do you think is going on there? Yeah. I think that younger generations are not more woke. So that's a bad phrase, <laughs> but more enlightened about things like that or more more aware of things like that. I can't imagine of my grandfather ever talking about, you know, inner peace and contentment, right? It wasn't yeah. on the table, but it's really something today that's it's discussed. It's more important. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I I wonder, too, if, again, the fact that the demographic that you surveyed here skews uh, so much more, you know, wealthier, uh, high net worth, yeah. that that actually makes a difference, too, um, in, in how, you know, some of the genders respond. And yes. yeah, and, and, and so maybe, uh, yeah, maybe because of the wealth level, and we're going to talk about that in a future podcast, that that changes right. kind of dynamic here of the the men and women answering answering this question right i think that's absolutely true the more wealth you have the more time you have and whether we want to say that's true or not but it is true the research shows that the more time you have to devote to more personal satisfaction types of issues yeah so at, at a high level, uh, what was really interesting here about this recent research on how the genders define success is they, they ranked the top three things really, really close. So there's not much of a difference between what men and women say here. And they are, you know, having close and meaningful relationships with friend and family is number one. Living a healthy and active lifestyle is number two. Three, having financial security and stability is is number three. And I think the big takeaway for our listeners is, you know, remember, especially as you're working with more affluent people, they don't just define success on the rate of return that you're getting for their portfolio. They, they are much more interested in what does their wealth mean in the context of these items that are more important to them, their family, their relationships, and their health. And I would point out and urge people to talk about the, the whole health and wealth issue, because even though this is about living a healthy and active lifestyle, they're not really asking you to give them um, recommendations about the best yoga teacher. They're mm -hmm. really looking at you to help them prepare for times when maybe health isn't as great as, as it is at other times. So yeah, it'd be great to talk about the best yoga teacher, but it's really more important to talk about, you know, is long-term care something they're interested yeah. in or, you know, how, how are they prepared for health issues? Yeah. The other takeaway uh, or another takeaway, Kathy, is, you know, just like we were surprised, I certainly was surprised that, you know, the the marriage and the inner peace contentment was flipped from what we would traditionally think. It, it just shows you everybody's different, you know, and, and we're sharing data that kind of tells us trends at a very high level. But that doesn't mean that that's how somebody's individual client's going to feel. So it, it it really illustrates the importance of, you know, you really need to know your client. You, you, you need to know what is important to them and then really think about your value to them and the leadership that you can provide to them in the context of kind of how they rank these things and, you know, how, how they stand up in their own mind, in their own life. Now, um, for the most part, women are equally as important and a part of the discussion. But there was an interesting piece of data that we talked about earlier today, Paul, that was about when asked um, who was the primary decision maker in the household, 73% of men said they were, as opposed to 42% of women said that they share equally in decision making. So there still are some 
old fashioned values that are out there that may not necessarily be true. That piece of data, Kathy, is actually my favorite in this entire uh, piece of research. I, I want to say it again. <laughs> 73% of men said, I'm the one that makes the decision in the family. And then 42% of women says, we share the decision. And somebody's wrong. I, I, I don't know who <laughs> it is, but both of those things can't can't be happening, right? Right. <laughs> now, there are some pieces of data, like yesterday I was writing a report and I noticed that you know 63% of men like to be involved day to day in the investment activities, whereas only 49% of women do. So women aren't quite as into the whole um, investment processes, men, but still it's, it's yeah. pretty close. Okay. So there are gender differences and people define success differently. We've talked about some interesting trends here, Kathy, but as we wrap up here, I, I want to give advisors three specific things to think about uh, to, to really provide leadership to clients, to be a preeminent advisor, to, to play, to win. Um, you know, the, where they can really capitalize kind of on these trends that we've talked about here today. So number one is it just is so important that advisors have what we call a deep discovery with clients, a values, goals, and objective-based discovery. A lot of people in the industry, most people in the industry were kind of taught the initial conversation is the fact finding. And so often that's that's factual based on, you know, investment stuff on, you know, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? What are your goals surrounding these? It is so important to do the deep discovery to really understand what's the goals, objectives and values of this family. And just to tie it back to the research today you got to know who are the important relationships to them. You know, we, we obviously assume that the spouse and the kids are important, but, you know, is there anything unique going on there? Is there special needs with the children? Are there concerns with the children? Are there other relationships? Are there aunts, uncles, friends? This stuff is super important to the affluent that you really, really understand what relationships are meaningful to them. And second, Kathy, same thing about understanding the health and the wellness. Yeah. What are they concerned about? You know, what goals, objectives do, do they have in this area? Because again, your ability to provide comprehensive wisdom and guidance in these areas is really, really critical. Yeah, and I think it's important. I mean, just as you said, it's important to do the deep discovery at the beginning, but you need to keep the conversation going because during that time, relationships change, children grow up um, and health changes. So it's deep discovery at the beginning, but it's an ongoing conversation, I would think. Yeah. What I encourage advisors to do, Kathy, is to, in that initial discovery conversation, map out in those key areas what's important to the client. You know, what relationships are important? What are the goals, objectives in these non-financial areas? And then just as you said, when clients come in, you know, over the months, over the years for review, you're not just sitting down and looking at, here's the investment results. You're specifically revisiting those goals, objectives, values, like you said, what's changed, what's new, uh, because again, very, very dynamic. And again, this is the type of leadership and life-changing advice that clients are, are looking for, um, you know, based upon your research data. All right. Number two, Kathleen, here's the number two thing I want to leave advisors with. Um, 
and this gets to that statistic that you shared, 73% of men say they're making the decision. 42% of women say they're doing it jointly. You know, as a preeminent advisor, your responsibility with a, a married couple is to serve them both and to include both of them in the conversation and in the discovery. Um, it's a mistake, I feel, Kathy, when advisors allow their professional relationship to primarily develop with just one of the spouses. There's there's just a lot of danger in that and not really be able to provide great leadership to that family. But then also statistics tell us if something happens to one of these spouses and that's the case, then that other spouse usually leaves. So, you know, my recommendation, what advisors want to do is they want to make sure from the get go, it's a joint discovery process with both spouses. And so often, Kathy, there's a dominant spouse in the financial relationship and it's pretty quick for advisors to be able to identify who that is. And what they should do is they should get, and this is actually recommendation number three, kind of moving into that. Always in your interviews and in your conversations, gear your questions first to the non-dominant spouse. Because it gives that person an individual, it gives them permission and a chance to kind of open up and answer first. Whereas if you just pose the question to the couple, uh, you know, the, the non-dominant spouse when it comes to finances might not, might not, uh, you know, participate, but if you give them permission to participate, you directly question them first, let them respond first, they'll, they'll participate and they'll have tremendous, tremendous, uh, contribution to the conversation. That's great advice. I think so. Yeah. I mean, being probably the non-dominant one in a conversation like that, which I don't know, maybe not, but that's a really good tip, I think. Yeah, I, I can tell you over the years and training advisors and seeing, you know, hundreds of interactions of advisors with clients that some of the most meaningful uh, conversations that I have seen is when an advisor does this and questions the non-dominant spouse first. And the dominant spouse gets to, for the first time, have a revelation <laughs> that what their spouse thinks or how they view something is, is different. And that's just mm -hmm. such a gift. That's such a gift to give a couple to really help them be able to jointly share that information. And then, you know, arrive at what are the common goals? What are the common values for the family that preeminent advisors can then help them move towards? That's great. Of course, yeah. I wouldn't go too deep on some of the credit card bills. <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in conclusion, Kathy, uh, we found there's some commonality in how genders define success. Um, you know, the big ones were, family and relationships, healthy lifestyle, financial security and stability. But then there were some differences too that surprised right. us. Yeah. So, so always be aware of, a, of individual people and what their individual goals are, because that's the biggest, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And then I think the other major takeaway here today was, um, you know, for both sexes, non-financial items are major, are, ma are major definitions of success. So, mm -hmm. You know, it's your responsibility as a preeminent advisor to really understand how does your specific client, both spouses, define success? And then how can you lead them towards that? And a lot of the time, 
it's going to be how do you help them use their wealth for them to feel like they're achieving their goals in their relationships, in their health, and whatever it is that they define as success. Well, Kathy, uh, thank you for this conversation today. Again, gr just great job that you're doing for the industry with uh, you know this tremendous, tremendous research. Um, I encourage advisors, if they're interested in reading kind of the full report here, which uh, you know talks about a number of things that you dived right. into, studying you know this demographic up to 25 million advisors can access that. I'm putting up on the video feed the uh, you know where you want to go to be able to pull down the report. It's https colon backslash backslash cegwin.com backslash podcast. So if you want to get a copy of this great research and report that Kathy's put together, you can access it there. Well, that'll wrap us for today, Kathy. It's been great talking to you. You too. Thanks, everybody. We really right. enjoyed it. We'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye.